Welcome on back into the Slinging Sports Podcast. Your host, Jake Finnerty, your co-host, Wally McKeon. Wally, thank God, back in person. Yeah, after a, a nice month-long winter break, we were recording over Zoom, um, which were, was very nice as well, just to hear your voice talk about some sports with you, but being in person, being in this room with you, there's nothing like it. it it's really isn't. Like you said, it's nice, you know, we obviously connected over break which obviously we would regardless but you know still being able to put out the content while we can that's very very promising yeah. um but now we're back and in person we're back in the recording recording studio here at my at my apartment in my door or in my room so um it's nice it's nice to be back you know nothing like nothing like the real thing uh but with that being said of course being back in person we've got our highlights of the week to talk about what's been going on in our week so Wally, you want to start us off? What what's been going on in your life? What do you love? What are you living up to? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, you know, I live in Vermont, which is a very rural area, and uh, I moved there at the end of high school, so I don't really know anyone. Um, and I love being home because it's relaxing, get to hang out with my parents, sit by the fire, go snowboarding, everything fantastic. But the first night back here with my roommates was just so amazing to have that young people interaction see people like you, all of our other friends. Um, it's just so nice. And I forgot, quite frankly, how much I enjoy the company of the people in my life here um, at Syracuse. It's not a Syracuse ad. I probably have people <laughs> I like anywhere in my life. But just to be back with uh, my friends um, is, has been really nice this entire week. I, I, I can echo that statement. Um, I think that, you know, being back, obviously, it's nice to take your time off, go back home, see your family, everything like that. But there's nothing like, you know, having your having your fun, having your experience here and having the people here. You know, when you live with people as well, you um, you get real close with them. Yeah. Um, so that's nice. And it's like being back with your family almost exactly. when, you, when you come back here. So you got your home family and you your family here. Um, and what about you? I know you've got a so – I can guess what your highlight is. I was going to say, I mean, mine, you know, kind of echoes off of yours. But mine is really just the whole weekend leading up to coming back here. Um, Saturday, I had a few friends from home come up for the for the Notre Dame-Syracuse basketball game. And then, of course, watched the Jaguars game on Saturday, which we'll get into later. I'm a very emotional roller coaster at that. But uh, – and then also, you know, Sunday, uh, you know, having some, from, some friends return back here. Um, a fun time. And Monday actually leading up being my birthday, uh, mm-hmm. you know, going out that night for the Dallas and, and uh, Tampa Bay game. So that was a nice time. Um, the big two one got able, say, to, able, a, able to able to legally go out to bars now. It's huge, man. So it's it's very it was a very fun time. And, um, you know, I'm just back. I'm just glad we're, we're back here now. I'm glad we're back. But a happy belated birthday. Oh, thank you. you. Thank well. you. Thank you. It was it was a good time. It was a good time. Um, I'm just very happy. I think. You know, now now the hassle of being under twenty one is finally over. Yeah, um, be one of those cool which, kids now. Yeah, yeah, you'll you'll get to experience it very soon, got, very I've soon. Got Don't worry. Four and a half months to go, and then I'll be there. Just Don't worry. You. That's that's how I was. I kept uh, I kept counting the days down. So now it, now I can now I can talk like I'm an old man. Yeah. Uh, to to you at least. For but, four and a half. Yeah, months, for yeah. a little bit. Um, <laughs> but with that being said, let's get into the sports here. We got some speedy slings, some quick headlines here at the start of the show. Um, we've got the Australian opening beginning and actually the reigning champ Rafael Nadal being eliminated 
Yeah, and uh, by Mackie McDonald of the U.S., who I have never heard of, and uh, I played tennis in high school. I played JV for two years. Wow, that's a, that's a fun fact. I never knew that about there you. you. I can't lie. I uh, I was trying out for varsity senior year, and then COVID happened, so we never know. Maybe I would have been a varsity <laughs> athlete. Probably not. Could have uh, gone D1 for tennis? That's that's what I'm saying, just about. Um, regardless, though, uh, seeing these big dolls, uh, big dogs in the doll of Djokovic, um, Federer, whenever someone... Those are like the three main guys in the tennis yeah. world. When one of those three loses early on, uh, it obviously makes a story. Yeah, it's 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 a big story. And uh, actually, fun fact: one of my professors uh, this semester said that he used to work at ESPN and would always go to the Australian Open to cover it. That's awesome. Um, so he's a big. He he was talking about it a lot uh, this week, but um, that's what really brought my attention to it. You know, obviously, I saw the the, the headlines of it starting up, but. Me personally, I'm not a big tennis guy. I don't follow tennis. I know a lot. I know it's pretty big. Um, a lot of people do follow it, but I just thought this was huge. And obviously, uh, Nadal is is a known name. Like I knew who you know he who was. He is, yeah, yeah, I knew who he was. So I felt like that was worth talking about, worth bringing on here. Um, but it, you know, great to see Mackie McDonald take him take him down. U.S. 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 USA. Um, we've got some quick signings in the MLB today. Adam Duvall going to Boston on a one-year deal. Brian Anderson reportedly going to Milwaukee. Not set on the on the years yet, just rumors out there that they have made a deal. And Tommy Pham going to the Mets. Yeah, the Brian Anderson deal is looking like one year, three yeah. and a half million. Um, all of these teams just add some depth pieces, see what you can get, buy a low contract. None of them are for over $10 million. Um, All veteran players, good for the locker room, as cheesy as it sounds, yeah. you know. They're not. They're not going to win you, you a gotta, World Series, but you got to fill that twenty-six man roster. Exactly. So you know you're going to get those those depth guys, those veteran guys, and of course this past week as well. This isn't mentioned on here, but McCutcheon going back to the Pittsburgh yeah, Pirates, which returning. was very very heartfelt. Um, McCutcheon, obviously a household name, former MVP. Um, it's looking like it's coming to the to the end of the road for him. So this yeah. could be the final season we see him I'm suit up, and you know a great a great team for him to suit up with for that i also didn't realize uh andrew mccutcheon posted on social media with either with their with his child yeah um and all of his awards yeah i didn't realize he had that many awards for baseball he was i mean he was a, a big silver slugger guy back in back in the early 2010s and obviously that that mvp season I mean, he was great and even has a couple gold gloves I yeah believe. he did and uh and he was on the cover of mlb 13 oh yeah show, I oh think. yeah after after he won mvp exactly so um i love mccutcheon yeah. uh, he played in philly former for a yankee. Couple of, he, former he, yankee he played in, he played in philly for a couple of years he bounced around but um a really a real a real class act guy um someone that really is like stand up in the league mm-hmm. uh you know gotta give him his props and if he if this is his farewell tour it, it's gonna be an honorable one yeah uh, we've got Jake Paul booking his third fight with Tommy Fury. The first two have not ended up happening, though. They have not fought yet. Um, I'm not a big Paul. <laughs> I'm not a. I'm not a big fan of the Paul brothers. Period. I, I don't know that much about fighting. Regardless, I don't get into UFC, boxing, MMA. None of it. It's not really my thing. Um, I hope third time's a charm. That's about all I have to say on it. I mean, people like to give Jake Paul a lot of slack for for fighting all these people that are not known fighters and. You know, really not 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 much of a record following them. Yeah. And, you know, when he knocks them out uh, and people don't like Doesn't to give him his props. But maybe when we see him fight Tommy Fury, he can finally get that slack off of his shoulders and, and see what happens. But this is, happen. the, this is the third time of them trying to fight. And I believe this this one is booked for February 25th. So we'll see in, in, in a little bit over a month. 
Um, I'll probably be watching it if it actually happens, but I don't know if I'll go. I, I imagine there's probably going to be some other good fights on the card. The last time Jake Paul fought, Frank Gore fought, yeah. uh, who was it? Oh, it was, um, it was Le'Veon Bell. Was right? it? Really? Yeah, didn't they fight each other? That's awesome. I I, I mean Le'Veon I Le'Veon Bell fighting. was was in the was the fight. I think it was against Frank Gore. Who got who got knocked? We were at, we were at your house for that. I thought. Oh really? Yeah. I guess I wasn't watching it then. No, I don't think I don't you were. I think you were in the other room. <laughs> but no, I think it was Frank Gore that he fought. That's pretty. One cool. of the two were fighting know, on I, that card. I don't I know, know. I know Frank Gore fights. Yeah, yeah. Well, what was the what was the one Nate Robinson fought who? And oh wait, wasn't it one of the Pauls and got knocked out? It was Jake Paul, wasn't it? Sure. Again, <laughs> I don't know anything about it. Well, I just I think it's it. I just think it's funny when these like these NBA players and NFL players get in the boxing yeah. ring, and like it's entertaining, but also I don't think they're gonna you know amount to anything. And no, in the boxing. Career. This is. I mean, if if it was, I think it was Nate Robinson and Jake Paul. And that I'm thinking about it. That's Robinson why got knocked out silly, right? It was it was like the first or second round, and yeah. that's why people started giving Jake Paul like this was one of his first fights, and they were giving him a lot of a lot of slack because obviously Nate Robinson yeah, one yeah. he doesn't have the reach, but two isn't a fighter. So yeah. I don't know. Um, moving on, we're gonna go to the XFL and former fighter, former wrestler, The Rock, being the commissioner of this league. Um, starting you know a little bit over a month as well, I believe actually probably the same weekend as that Jake Paul fight. <laughs> <laughs> Huge weekend at the same sports <laughs> podcast, most definitely. Come back for that episode. Um, I said I've said to you time and time again. Um, with all of these little leagues, it's just kind of hard in the beginning. We'll find out if it's sustainable. I'm glad that they have a true leader, someone who has the funds, is willing to get it off of the ground. Um. And I feel like the best thing that the XFL and any other league can do is to try and be different from the NFL and not compete with the NFL per se because you're not going to be able to, but serve as that developmental league. Build a bond with the NFL. Start building connections. Um, have some quirks that will get the fans a little bit more interested in it, everything like that. Yeah, and we talked a lot about – well, not talked a lot, but you and I were talking a little bit before coming on here today. And I asked you if you were going to watch it, and you said you'd maybe catch a couple if it was on, but yeah. not religiously – and I mean, I'm the same way. Um, I'm very interested to see what uh, Dwayne Johnson is going to do with this. Um, he's put a lot of money into it. He has a big contract with ESPN in it. Um, it seems like he's really putting a lot into it. And they had their camp starting. I think it was last week. And I saw a couple videos of, of his speeches to all the players. And he's really dedicated to making this work. I said I think it's probably going to have a lot more of of a promise than the USFL league that started up last year. Yeah. Um, you know, there are some players in here that are former NFL players, you know, developmental players that are trying to maybe get to that NFL level. Um, I think it'll be interesting, and I'm excited to see what's going to happen with it. Um, again, I, I'm not going to pick a team. I'm not going to follow it, you know, die hard. But I am interested to see what's going to happen with this league, so I think I'll probably be tuning in that weekend of February after, of course, the Jake Paul fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to move on to the NHL now. We've got the Lightning on a four-game win streak. And I think only giving up two goals on on uh, as as the most goals in in any of those games. Uh, or no, no, quite. they did. They faced the Canucks. Yeah, they faced the Canucks and actually had to go into a into a strong one at the end there. So never mind. But um, no, I mean doing what they do, staying in that spot. They're not going to catch the Bruins at this point, um, just because of how much of a powerhouse they've become. Obviously, in that Atlantic Division. But catching the Maple Leafs is obviously very, uh, very probable, and 
and can happen. And um, Toronto, obviously not a great track record in the playoff anytime recently. So, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago or last week. Um, it's coming down to crunch time, and the Lightning are honestly just staying at their at their same pace, staying in, right in the mix in the top three in the Atlantic, and that's all you could really ask for right before this uh, All-Star break. Yeah, and uh, you said they're not catching the Bruins. The Bruins, which we've been gassing up for the whole year, and rightfully so, they suffered their first home loss in regulation last week to the Seattle Kraken, who we were also talking yeah. about last week, who have come along quite nicely. Um, but to, uh, now for, for my portion of the of the hockey world with the Rangers, um, getting back into the race, they've been in the race, third in the division right now, um, had an uncharistic loss to Montreal on Sunday, 2-1, to one, bunch of fooey. But more importantly, have the win of the season last Thursday um, against the Dallas Stars. Keandre Miller scored a game tangle of .2 seconds left, tied up 1-1, less than a minute and a half into overtime. Adam Fox scores the game-winning goal. You need to have some type of magic. You need to have those kind of wins if you want to be playing hockey in June. Um, that's just what it is. And pretty much with any sport. You need yeah. to have one of those miracle wins. You need to have that the destiny aspect of it on your side. Um, and obviously, it's only January. We're far away from the playoffs. But the Rangers are starting to sprinkle in those magic moments to give their fans belief that this team can do what they did last year and perhaps even make it further than what they did. So And and really doing what they can. Um, I wrote here, obviously, they're crawling back into that Metropolitan race, only only uh, around seven, seven back from that lead uh, from Carolina and, and the Devils not too far either, only four there. Um, so, you know, really could, could make a jump at, at that first seed in the Metropolitan. Um, but, you know, moving on two teams that we talked about very early on in the season that have just fallen off, and that's Detroit and Buffalo, two teams that were at a top of, uh, the Atlantic and have done nothing since besides yeah. fall off. And we talked about, you know, obviously they'll come back down to earth, but my God, have they come back down to earth, <laughs> uh, Detroit going three, six and one in their last 10. Buffalo going four, five, and one. Uh, Detroit on a three-game loss streak, and Buffalo on a two-game loss streak. Um, really seeing the true colors from those young teams. Uh, you know, maybe they can get some fight back in them. They're not too far behind Florida, but from Boston, Toronto, and Tampa Bay, they, that's really where it separates in the in the Atlantic. And you know, those bottom teams need to need to start. Pounding down in, in this crunch time uh, if they want to try and have a shot at this playoff. Yeah, um, which is a little unfortunate for Buffalo, which we talked about last week with Tage, Tage Thompson um, in Detroit. They've got guys, Lucas St. Raymond. They've got young pieces to move them forward. Um, but eventually, you got to get back into win-now mode. It feels like both of those teams have been limping along a little bit. Not Detroit as much. Um, but I do want to highlight a team who I've been saying is going to fall off, and they haven't fall off. So I'm giving up on the fall-off train, which is unlike me because I always bash people like yeah. the Mets. Um, that is the New Jersey Devils. Um, for the first two, three months of the season, I was saying they're going to fall off. They're too young. They're ahead of schedule. Um, but they've proven me wrong. They've won five straight, and they're the definition of a road warrior. Um, they're 18-2-1 on the road. They're the first team in NHL history to win 17 of their first 20 road games. The previous wow. mark was 16. Wow. Um, and they won their first 17. And they have a and they have a f they have a f plus 40 goal differential as yeah. well that I'm looking at right here. They win That's pretty insane for this this Devils team that we really had no faith in going into the season. Not one bit. Um making some magic happen, mm -hmm. but like I said the Rangers right on their tail coming up 
Um, New Jersey on a five-game win streak, however, so can keep that strong that strong push. Maybe even jump into that one seed in the Metro for now. But it's gonna be a tight race coming down to the end here. Even the Capitals coming up. And we're only at the midway point yeah. of the season as well. Yeah. So much more fun to happen. More we hockey. said competitive hockey. Competitive <laughs> hockey. That's all we were that's all we were hoping for. Uh moving on to the NCAA basketball. We've got Clemson jumping into the rankings after our little headline on them last week, starting off six and zero in the ACC. Yeah, it sounds like the uh, the AP voters are listening to us <laughs> and the teams that we highlight. Um, had a very nice win against Duke. Always impressive, even if this Duke team is overrated. And With Duke no falling out of the ranks as well. Finally, uh, yeah, they did not belong there. Um, and then they suffered their first ACC loss to Wake Forest immediately after on the road, um, which has kind of been the story of the ACC this year from top to bottom. Only five of the 15 teams are under 500 in conference play, and they're all beating up on each other. There's no, like, true number one. There's a true number 15, and that's Louisville. Yeah. But quite frankly, any given night, any of these teams can beat each other. I have no idea what's going to happen when we get to conference play, the conference tournament, or we in conference play, when we get to the conference tournament um, in March. It's going to be insanity. I don't know who to trust well, as well. Well, we sticking with the ACC, tournament. obviously we like to talk about Syracuse a bit. They almost ended up handing Miami a big upset on Monday. Um, you know, lost lost that lead right at the end there. They were up seven with, I think, about four minutes left and ended up losing by, uh, I think it was three. Uh, but had a, had a great comeback win against Notre Dame at home on Saturday. And when I tell you the Dome was, was rocking, I was there, the Dome was rocking. Yeah. Uh, it was a very loud game and, you know, like we said about that Syracuse atmosphere, that was that was a game. It makes a difference. And uh, I wasn't at the game. I stayed home um, so I could watch the Giants game with my dad on Sunday. Um, but what I saw on Twitter, it looked like it was Duke was in town in mid-February. There were a Saturday, lot of people there. Yeah. There were a lot of people there. That's awesome. Um, but that Miami team, Syracuse losing to Miami, Miami also dropped the, their game before in overtime to NC State. So there's even more proof of the beat each other up win one lose one um but i'm going to keep saying it with syracuse until they get it they need that marquee win they need a win over a top 25 opponent to really get things going um their next one is going to be versus uva on january 30th a whiteout game at that might i add which they they hung with uva for the most part when they were uh playing at them um having that home having that home court advantage that you just spoke about um i think it'll make a bigger difference that'll be an opportunity and, you know, we keep saying it, but really, it's been reiterated. These teams in the ACC can beat each other any up. Of them. Any yeah. any given any given day, because, you know, obviously the basketball day schedule is switched up. But um, they only have, as of right now, two more games against ranked opponents. And that would be UVA on January 30th and Clemson on February 22nd. Yeah. So... Do you got to win at least one, if not both, uh, if you want to be considered a tournament. solid team going into the tournament? Because this is a weak ACC this year. You need a marquee win, or you just need to win the ACC tournament at that um, to get that to bid. So on a down year, maybe you can pull this young squad together and do it. But you know, we've seen what's happened in the past. We've seen a lot of a lot of teams beat the zone, frankly. Yeah, um, more than ever. So. You know, it's it's time to uh, see where Syracuse is going to shift their attention. Now we've got Kentucky in a down year for their standards. Take a dominant win over UGA. Dominant. Yeah. yeah. 
uh, by like 15 over Georgia. And uh, more importantly, though, a win on the road over then number five Tennessee. The Vols dropped to number nine, which is music to my ears. (laughs) But um, that's what Coach Calipari has been wanting to do. I still found it weird that before the season even started, Calipari said this team isn't ready. We're not ready. I don't know why you would say that, and especially why you would say it to the media. It just puts fear in your team. It ruins confidence. But they're starting to piece it together. And every year, it seems like that one random seed that makes it to the Final Four, it's a Power 5 team, minus Loyola Chicago in 2018. Power 5 with a great coach. And they get hot, and they get an easy schedule in the tournament. I don't know. I don't we know might, if this is the year with we, Kentucky. We might have to start looking at, at your at your numbers pretty soon, starting in February-ish. Yeah, but we get closer uh, to it. But I want to highlight Oscar Shibe. Um, I'll talk about him a little bit right. later, obviously, but... 37 points in that win over UGA and 24 rebounds, yeah. which I was saying is wild for a college game. I mean, even in an NBA game, having 24 rebounds. 24. Yeah. And one assist. Don't forget about yeah, one assist. assist. One assist, He's of a course. dimer as well. And three steals. There you go. I mean, and, well, and, well, and a block. Why don't we just Why don't we just mention his his whole stat? Might his as whole well stat be a line. point guard. But uh, with the steals and the assists, <laughs> uh, Oscar Shibe being one of the best players in college basketball last year, putting together a performance like this, maybe he can get on a hot streak. Um, yeah. They need it. They need someone to really put this team on their back because uh, they've got players like Jacob Toppin, kind of you know really falling back. Uh, you need a leader, and I think Shibe's that guy. And a Kentucky team, mind you, that lost to St. Peter's in yeah. uh, the second round. So they're going to be hungry if they make it back there, especially Shibai, more than anyone. Very hungry. Very hungry. And a team that we've talked about a lot when we when we bring up this uh, NCAA men's basketball section, that's Kansas State taking down older brother Kansas yeah. in the Jayhawks in overtime last night. I like that term, older brother. That's nice for the for the in-state battle. Yeah, Kansas I mean, I, I think I think it's kind of deserving for that. Yeah, 100%. And it's another big win for the Wildcats. They had the win over Texas that we spoke about plenty. Um, I think they're going to be a top 10 team very soon after that win. Had a loss to TCU, who is still a very strong team. That's a top 15 team in the country. Um, they just need a bit of consistency. Had a double-digit loss to Butler. It's the lone other loss this year. They've only had two on the entire season. Um, just need that consistency piece. And then who knows how far they can make it. But not to get too excited about March Madness, but it's my favorite thing in yeah. the entire world. <laughs> but with the consistency thing, that's why I'm just a little scared of these teams like Kansas State, who are all or nothing, losing by double digits, or they show up and they beat the number two team in the country. So it's who knows with them. You know, it's frightening, but that's what's fun about NCAA regular season is – like we said, any given game, any given day. But it's a lot more fun when you're seeing all these ranked teams beat up on each other rather yeah. than watching a kind of mediocre ACC beat up <laughs> on each other when they can only score about 50 points a game and and get in, in that aspect. Can't get into a rhythm. Anyway, we're going to take it to the halftime hustle. We're going to take it to a little break here. We're going to go to the drip of the week. And would you like to start us, Wally? Yeah, I will. And I'm very happy about this drip of the week. My drip of the week is Kayvon Thibodeau. Specifically, (laughs) post-game Kayvon Thibodeau. Rocking the top hat and the uh, matching PJ set with the chain as well. And he showed up to the game in the full suit. And after the game, he switched into the PJs. He's got he's got a long flight home from Minneapolis. And I absolutely love it. We saw him doing the put him to sleep uh, celebration after the Nick Foles thing. Um, and I think he put the Vikings to sleep. Didn't do a whole... I mean, he did plenty of the game pressures, blah, blah, blah. But the stat sheet doesn't appear as much. 
Um, put the Vikings to sleep. Got the Giants to win. Um, dressed like he's straight out of the 1800s. I love it. That's awesome. I mean, you gotta you gotta love when he's when he's dedicated. He's and of course, the outfit change. He's a fun too. character. The I outfit change is is special. Now, my drip of the week. Of course, we're gonna we're going we're going with with my man Trevor Lawrence. I think I this might you, be like this this might be like his fifth drip of the week I of the season. This is a record. Like, this is a record he's, for a twenty week again, time frame. He's he's coming up on uh, on Pat Bev because I had him a lot in, in wow. season one. I did, uh, but Trevor Lawrence after the game on Saturday, which of course we'll get into later, decides, hey, I'm gonna take a couple of my teammates to Waffle House down in Jacksonville. Um, so he heads to Waffle House. He's wearing a shirt that says, it was always the Jags, which is a big saying that's that's been coming out of that organization, um, made famous by Andrew Wingard. Uh, but, you know, this man just showing love to, to his local Waffle House and actually stayed after after his meal and took a picture with every single staff member, really? which was very, very, I mean, he shows his love for the community all the time. Uh, but just seeing him go to Waffle House after that big win is kind of yeah. hilarious to me. It's really fun. Um, fantastic young man, bright future as a player and just as a human being off the field. Um, when you said stayed after to take pictures, I thought you were going to say stayed after to run some routes with the fans <laughs> or something, go out in the parking lot, see what the co-workers got and then let them cook or something. No, I think, I think he was taking a little break there. Uh, <laughs> he, he, had th- he had thrown yeah, a lot yeah. that night, yeah, so... Yeah. I don't think he could do it anymore, but he needed that post-game meal, and uh, they asked him in the press conference the next day, uh, or I think it was like the next two days, uh, or whatever, when what, what his go-to meal is from Waffle House, and he said he gets hash browns with cheese. Jeez, I saw that as yeah. well. I'm not doing that. I'm doing the hash browns straight up. I don't think I'm going to do that either, but it's a very interesting combination. Maybe I'll do it. Because I know people are into the loaded baked potato. They're into the chili cheese fry. It's not for me. I'm not but a big. I'm not a big like. I need to cover everything in cheese, but I do like. I do like cheese, but it's like, good. but like, you know, cheese on some things. It just. It just doesn't do it for cheese me. Maybe I'll do. Maybe I'll do a little cheese on the hash browns. I. I feel like I gotta try it for my man. Like I, mean, I gotta. I gotta take his recommendation. Over at Waffle House, you specifically gotta do it there. Actually, so this is gonna go off on a whole completely other tangent. But right. a couple weeks ago, I was in contention to have to go to a Waffle House for 24 oh, yeah. hours in a fantasy, fantasy football league. I ended up winning, so I didn't have to go, but <laughs> that was pretty fun. So I would have ended up at a Waffle House, and I might have had to get the cheese hash brown. <laughs> but I, I saved myself, and I didn't have to eat all those waffles either. But I don't know. I think now I just got to take a trip there. Just a fun trip. Yeah, yeah, if you want to go. <laughs> uh, we're going to move on to our players of the week. Would you like to start us here, or do you want me to start? You can start. All right, well, my player of the week, we already mentioned him, and it was Oscar Shibe. Uh, of course, having a, a great performance against UGA and getting a big win this week over Tennessee. Um, this Kentucky team really pulling it together, and Shibe, like I said, being that leader that they need. Yeah, he's got uh, almost like a veteran of college. Yeah. Um, he's very experienced, got all the accolades, got all the talent, staying at Kentucky this year as well. I would say I, 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 do like, I, do, I do like when some players stay for, for four, three or four years, you know, show the loyalty to the program yeah. that, that got them there rather, nice. than the, that, rather than the one and done because of, you know, all the logistics of how you can't come out of high school anymore and everything like that. But I like the loyalty. I like trying to stay Kentucky for a championship and everything. And, it's great. You know, it shows it shows leadership on and off the court, just staying with that program. And even as the season doesn't work out, like this season, for example, but sticking with it, still playing yeah. at a high level, um, playing to your best. Exactly. Great luck. Great luck for the brand. Of course. Of course. Do it for the brand. Do it for the brand. Um, my player of the week, 
the young goat, and that is Brock Purdy, not actually the young <laughs> goat, but statistically speaking, might as well be the young goat. Um, 18 to 30 for 332 yards and three touchdowns, as well as one rushing touchdown. The first rookie in NFL history with four touchdowns in a playoff game. Yeah. Which is kind of surprising to me. I feel like four, like four is a lot, but four is not that many. It's not that many, but how many rookies That's do you really part. think it make the playoff? probably like one out of the 14 teams yeah now at this point maybe one out of the at this point but still it's it's you don't really get that many rookies no. to, to start um and along with it the 49ers set the record for most points scored the rookie quarterback uh in nfl history with 41 um they look dominant we'll talk I was, about it more. i'm gonna say i i don't want to talk too much about this game but all right. i want to say is i want to brock and roll all night and purdy every day <laughs> <laughs> um well, with that being said, we're going to move on to the NBA before we get to our NFL breakdown from the playoffs. And real quick, before we get into the actual sports, you know, Golden State jo- visiting the White House. Yeah, <laughs> and they did Clay Thompson very dirty in the picture with his eyes closed, kind of goofy smile, not looking at the camera, not smiling, nothing. Well, um, he did them He did them kind of dirty in the finals, <laughs> so it was a little bit of payback. Um, no, um, you know, I think it's, it's nice when these teams always get to... You know, visit the White House and, and meet the president and, and first lady. And I I just find it kind of funny to me that athletes go and visit the president. Like, what do what I do think they, it's I think it's talk. About? I think it's funny when they just like give them the jersey and then they're like they, they show like they show the jersey and it's just like, well, didn't Curry make like a, a public announcement or something at the like or like a White House briefing or something on this on the podium? Did yeah, I'm like almost I saw, positive. I saw a picture of the two I didn't, of them walking. I didn't, uh, I didn't listen to walking. it, but I'm pretty sure I saw a picture of him at like the podium at the White House, That's and he cool. was he was making a briefing. That's funny. So that but was it, funny. I just find it so weird to me because they're these decorated athletes, obviously champions. Um, even the college kids get to do it as well. It's just so funny to me. Like they have no I business th- being there. I thought it was funny when what team was it that went. And Donald Trump bought them McDonald's. Oh, like, just uh, put out the big setting of McDonald's. I want to say it was Clemson. I yeah. Was, Actually, yeah, Clemson I think it was. I think it was. Got him a bunch of fast food. Yeah. But, like, or LSU, when LSU won, and they're doing the Get the Gat yeah. in the White House, <laughs> in the full suit and everything. It's so funny to me. Um, I love it. I hope the tradition never dies. I well, was I, sad I mean, when COVID happened and it, it couldn't exist. It's also nice, it's though, bad. because, like, unless, you know, like, when are you ever going to step into the White House? Yeah. So Without like even to. even as a college athlete being able to step That's into the White cool. House like it's awesome. Yeah. It's just it's just historic. Yeah. But, you know, I just thought it was something to get mentioned. I like it. Um the Spurs and the Nets getting a bit chippy this week when they were playing. Um and actually was it Brooke Lopez got ejected. Brooke Lopez of all people. Um I'd get chippy too if I found a way to lose to a team with double the number of losses than wins uh looking at you the Nets. No KD, no Kyrie, kind of doomed from the start. Ben Simmons isn't going to carry you to a victory, even if it is the lowly San Antonio Spurs. Um, yeah, I think the Nets, we've talked about it, they need Kyrie uh, while KD is out. I think Kyrie can carry the load enough to keep them where they want to be, but they need to do a little bit more. Um, obviously, when Kyrie, if Kyrie's out for a game, other people need to step up. I apologize. It was not Brook Lopez. Brook Lopez is on the Bucks. I was thinking there's our, there was also a scrap in the Bucks game, uh, but it was Markeith Morris and, and Jeremy Showen that got in, go. that got into it. Um, dra- Showen kind of gra- grabbed them, dragged them to the ground. Who also, you know, I love Dennis Rodman, 
Sean is kind of is kind of doing an ode to him and on With the hair. This, yeah, he's the hair the hair and when he shoots free throws, doing he does this one handed thing. Yeah. And Rodman did this one handed shot when he was in San Antonio. And it's fixing him. I yeah, free throw line. it is. He's and he's he's been playing 50%. well recently. Shooting fifty percent from the line, he's gone to the one hand, and it has increased. Um, I always like Shohan. I kind of I wanted the Knicks to go after him uh, in this past year's draft. He was great at Baylor, especially on the defensive side. Um, and now he's starting to shoot better, putting it all together as a young player. I mean, he's a great young piece. Uh, or I, I don't know if I'll say great. He's a good young piece to have, yeah. especially for that San Antonio team who he's really in is in the dumpster after after getting rid of DeJounte Murray or trading mm-hmm. DeJounte Murray away um, and really needing um, some people down there to, to do some, some more for them. Yeah. Um, Coach Pop really putting it together and I'm surprised and Coach Pop his... is still doing it by the way yeah I am too I w- when I uh the game at the Alamo Dome against Golden State which, which that was, was really, pretty awesome that was awesome but the setting I thought was a little weird how so so like, like how far the, away they were? yeah yeah like the the obviously the people sitting on like courtside and there was like a couple rows there but then there was just an empty like it was almost as if I don't know if you've ever seen like obviously not live I don't think you've gone but like I don't know if you've ever seen like wrestling broadcasts but some of them have like, obviously they'll have the people that sit near the ring. Right but then there's a big empty gap, and then it's like the, the other seats because it's like they drop it down onto whether it's like a hockey rink, a basketball yeah. court. It reminded me of that. It was kind of weird. But obviously, you know, I get it for the setting. It was just really weird how it was set up. Um, regardless, though, I'm surprised Greg Popovich is still coaching. He's gonna be one of the greatest coaches of all time. Whenever he retires, top three, top five, whatever. Um, not that he's losing, I feel like if you're on the losing side, you're going to want to see it out and get back to the winning ways, especially if you're him with all the championships and the glory days. Um, regardless, poor Spurs, man. Yeah. Falling off. Yeah. Need them to get back to where they are. They, uh, I don't know. I don't, I, I just, I, I don't know. I'm kind of at a loss with wor- with of words with them. There's not really much to say, but we'll see. The Celtics going on a seven-game win streak recently, trying to maintain the lead over the Bucks and the Sixers, who both have game win streaks going on. Bucks at two, Sixers at three right now. Yeah, and uh, kind of similar to the uh, Spurs beating the Nets, it helps when you get to play a team that has tripled the number of losses than wins, like the Celtics got to do twice in a row against the Hornets. Um, I also didn't even realize the Hornets were that bad. Weren't they in the playing tournament last yeah, year? Yeah, I was. I was actually going to mention that right as you said that. I had no clue they had the worst record in the NBA. <laughs> yeah. Um. Or well, no, the second worst. The Rockets uh, are are worse by with, half a game. Yeah, but still, I didn't even realize that until you mentioned that they had go. double the amount of, had of triple lo- or triple, triple the yeah. amount of losses. That's insane, and yeah. the amount of like young talent that they added. Obviously, Lamelo Ball was out for a little bit. Um, with an ankle injury, and I, I believe Gordon Hayward is is out with one as well right now. But even so, yeah, they eleven and thirty four. That's that's a downfall on a team that should be up and coming. Yeah, pushing for a playing spot. Um, regardless, though, enough about the Hornets. I didn't mean to get into bashing <laughs> them so much. Um, more about the Celtics, Bucks, and Sixers. And there's a very clear hierarchy in the East right now. It's the three that I just mentioned, and then Brooklyn and Cleveland. Those are the top five, and then there's yeah. a drop-off. Um, what do you mean? You're, your Knicks are five games over 500. They are five games over 500, but they're three games out <laughs> compared to the rest of them being clumped together. Um, then there are four, five, six teams even, seven, as many as you want, um, are going to vie for spots number six through ten. Um, do you want to say the Knicks, though, in that sixth spot? Three games out of the five seed. 
five games above five hundred. Hey, s- staying out of that play in is is uh, is it's big. Huge. It's big Especially because you get the, like you the get this you get to save yourself an elimination potentially by one game or, or two. Yeah. Um, I just want to quickly go over the Sixers. Obviously, recently getting Tyrese Maxey back, but he actually moved to the second unit. Um, they are going with DeAnthony Melton uh, in the starting lineup because that was primarily what they had throughout December and. And uh, Doc Rivers felt comfortable with it. Maxi said he'll do whatever he wants to help this team win, whatever he needs to. Which I love. I love the young leadership from him. Um, He's always had that mentality after coming out of the draft that he'll do whatever he needs to to win. Um, They're on a very long road road stretch out west right now. I believe they play Sacramento next. Like the beam. Um, So we'll see what happens there. Sacramento obviously hot. We talked about them last week, lighting the beam and and all that, but. Um, Joel Embiid putting up MVP numbers still put up 41 the other night um, put up 37 by the middle of the third quarter so hardly had to play in the fourth but a tough game that they had against um, the Clippers uh, who's a team that is kind of up and down depending on who's on the floor because PG and Kawhi aren't always there Mm -hmm. Um, I believe Kawhi is actually taking another night off because they're playing a back-to-back like this Clippers Sixers game was last night and yeah I don't even know if Paul George is playing either I think they're both taking the night off. George has been out for a bit yeah so I think they're they're doing a little bit of load management like we talked about the the Pelicans (laughs) should start doing for Zion but we'll see the Pelicans still in that third seed yeah they're hanging in nice. Uh, not as nice as another Western Conference <laughs> team. That has the Memphis Grillies. Gr- Grillies. <laughs> Grillies. <laughs> Memphis Grizzlies. 10-game win streak uh, as they fight for the number one seed. Nuggets on a tear as well. Um, those top three, especially the top two between yeah, Denver and Memphis. That's those two be. are really interchangeable right now. And, and the Grizzlies, um, like you said, on a 10-game win streak. But the Nuggets, 9-1 and one in their last 10, only losing one. Um Jokic arguably having another MVP season right now. Yep. Um, there's like five guys right now that you could easily put in the top, the conversation for MVP. And uh, me and my roommate were talking about this the other day. If it was any other year and only one of these guys were putting up these stats, they'd be running away with it yeah. right now. But they're, they're, all, doing they're all doing the exact same thing. Um, it's pretty wild. Uh, so let's get into that conversation. Who is the MVP right now? I think, I don't think a lot of people will like it. But I do think if the Denver Nuggets finish as the number one seed in the West with the best record in the NBA, it's going to be Nikola Jokic for a third year in a row, as depressing as that is to most people. Um, The only other person, in my opinion, that I would give a vote to is Luka Doncic. But you're three games above 500. In terms of definition, I think Luka is truly the most valuable player on his team in the entire NBA. But numbers-wise, Jokic continues to put up a historic stat line just about every night. Luka's doing it pretty much every other night as well. Um, I think if any other team finishes at the one seed, it won't be Jokic. But if Denver finishes at the one, it'll be him. Shockingly, we have the same top two right now. Because I also think Nikola Jokic, as much as it pains me to say, because the man robbed Embiid of, of an MVP last year, um, will win his third in a row, like you said, if they take that number one seed. I think Luca. If you take Luca off the Mavericks, they're the not even. The they're not even. They're not even in the play-in. Yeah. Um. He does everything for that team. So I think, again, by definition, he is the MVP. Being able to keep his his team in it, and mm-hmm. you know, at the five seed, at that ahead of the Clippers and the Warriors, two very strong teams. Although the Warriors just getting back Steph Curry, um, last week, uh. 
you know, I think it's it's important to look at what Luka Doncic is doing in his historic numbers, but having the best record in the NBA and the number one seed is huge. Um, and that's also why I think Tatum has a very good shot at it yes, as well. He's my because, number three. Because uh, the Celtics are obviously leading the NBA in record, um, have played very strong, very strongly against teams like the Bucks and the Sixers, and even going out west and, and playing strong teams out there, playing, putting up good performances, and even you know, being able to maintain that number one overall seed after having the worst offensive rating in December yeah. um, is very is very powerful. And, um, you know, Tatum's been, been able to do it night in and night out. So I think he's also a guy you have to look at. And Embiid and, and Giannis as the well, obviously. They are, they are right there. Um, I think KD, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for him to have an argument because he's going to be out for time. so long. Um, I don't think he'll be in the conversation by the end of the year because of how much he's going to miss. He may even miss more after the All-Star break. We have no clue. But um, I think Giannis and Embiid are right there and could could end up coming up, you know, out of nowhere. Not really out of nowhere because, you, you know, you know their names. But there's a lot, that, there's a lot that's going to go into it this year. And there's so many. Like, I feel like out of those five, there's not one wrong pick right now. No, I would not be upset with any of the five yeah. that you just listed. Yeah. And I don't think really anyone would either across the board it's 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 getting wild speaking <laughs> of getting wild we got super wild card weekend this uh. past week um do you like that name by the way super wild card it's weekend stupid. after they did it it's stupid <laughs> keep the super for the super bowl it's six games whoop-de-doo you have more games on a regular sunday it doesn't mean anything yeah, but it used to only be what was it? Four, Four games. games, and now two it's more. And now it's two Ooh, more. And a Monday night game. Wow, a Monday night game. That means the winner of that game, no matter what, is going to be on Sunday the following week, and you can predict the scheduling going into it. Well, they put the schedule out on Sunday night anyway. I know because they're able to predict. Oh, it doesn't yeah, matter yeah, yeah. who the matchup is. That team <laughs> has to play on the following Sunday. Well, anyway, we can go into <laughs> the team that's gonna play on Sunday. The first team that's gonna play on Sunday. That's the 49ers. You mentioned Brock Purdy before. Really, the only like true blowout of the weekend, in my opinion. I mean, you Dallas. know, you could talk about Dallas, Tampa yeah. Bay, but I feel like the 49ers looked more dominant than Dallas did. And yet, Seattle was up at the half. Yeah. In that game, that just shows the pure dominance that San Francisco possesses when they want to flip that switch. Um, Brock Purdy has all the time in the world. I'm going to continue to gas him up. Everyone should. What he's doing is phenomenal, even if he's playing on a team with everyone in the world. Um, with the 74-yard touchdown to Debo, just a simple like crossing route, and Debo does the rest. Brandon Ayuk blocks 40 <laughs> yards downfield. Like, has all the time in the world, amazing offensive line, has an all-pro left tackle in Trent Williams do whatever he wants back there barely gets pressured just put the ball in his receiver's hands there's always someone open and not only is there someone open they have the ability to get to the second level and take it to the house from 80 yards out i mean i feel like it's hard to and obviously you know we talked about it all year you could throw anyone at quarterback they'd be great but it's hard to discredit purdy because he's been able to do it so efficiently still yeah um you know i feel like you watch games with jimmy g and you know jimmy g was able to get those wins obviously but Purdy's wasn't looked, up looked just as good or or even better than Jimmy G was yeah. this year. Um, you can't really discredit Purdy. He was also the last pick in the draft and had to step up after two guys go down. Uh, he's really, you know, doing everything that he can and obviously wants to prove himself here, uh, make an argument for the fact that maybe he can be the quarterback next year. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I think I think 
this team, obviously, we've talked about how dominant they are. We think they're the the team to beat in the NFC. But Purdy is doing something special, man. You can't you can't discredit that, no matter yeah. what he's doing. And how you mentioned Jimmy G, I'm pretty sure Jimmy G has a winning record in his games in San Francisco when he doesn't throw a touchdown. Yeah, he does. Which is kind of for perspective of how amazing the 49ers are. Not to mention, we didn't even mention Nick Bosa and anyone yeah. else on the defense. Yeah, I was going to say, Nick, to Bo- go Nick, along with Nick Bosa might even win Defensive Player of yeah, the Year. Yeah, like, top of everything. Best defense in the league by far, I believe. And best team in the yeah. NFC. Yeah. Say it. Yeah. Even over the I'll New agree. York Giants. It's true. <laughs> Better. Well, we'll get into them soon, but of course, first we got to talk about <sighs> Trevor Lawrence. He threw four interceptions. No, I know, I know. He threw four interceptions. The Jaguars go down. But who cares, man? Duval. They came up. They won third largest comeback in playoff history ever. Um, not the way you want to do it. It was an ugly game to start off. Uh, but really, you know. It's obviously I want to talk about Lawrence and the four picks because you go down twenty seven nothing. You usually see a young quarterback get frustrated. They're out of the game. Start they think the yeah. Ball. They think they think that they're not gonna they're not gonna be able to do it. Um, I've seen a lot of clips. The defense going up to him. The all the old yeah, line going up to him. Tell. We got your back. Don't worry. You you go out there. Do what you do. We'll take care of the rest. And they did it. The defense. Played very well against Justin Herbert in the offense in the second half. Um, obviously, Trevor Lawrence doing what he did. He had a very great, great last seven drives, I believe. It was after he threw those four picks because he had four picks on the first four drives. And then the fifth drive, they had to punt it away. And then they muffed a punt. And, and then and then had... I mean, they, they were lucky they held the Chargers to a field goal, but mm-hmm. uh, they, had the, they had the ball inside the ten. Um, so this team, everyone on this team, also no turnovers by the defense forced and still ended up winning this game. Um, this is, it was, it was an awesome game. The atmosphere down in Jacksonville, they never gave up either. They were always, you know, in it with, with the Jags and, and really, you know, gave them something to fight for and gave them life, showed promise. And Trevor Lawrence showed that even through, through the down, he'll, he'll pick himself right back up and, and pick this team back up and, and do what he can like a leader should. I do want to talk about, obviously, um, Staley. You know, there's a big question on his job right now as well, well which yeah. I, want, I want to know what your thoughts are on that. Um, I think he should have probably lost his job last year when he blew it in Week 18 against Vegas, going for it on fourth down repeatedly. It's completely unnecessary. You don't need to be that aggressive. Um, and it's kind of weird how he has that aggressive mentality, and then he gets to the playoffs, and he takes his foot off the gas. He has one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Not even a young quarterback, but one of the best, period. Um, I don't think Staley should have a job. Uh, They fired their offensive coordinator. They're going to get a new one. I don't really think offensive coordinator is the issue. They put up enough points in that game. Obviously, they could have cashed in on more of the turnovers, like the muff punt one. But what they put up in the second half? Three points? Three. They 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 were outscored. I think it was twenty-four to three in the second half. Yeah, you gotta you gotta do better than that, regardless. Um, not related to Staley. I just wanna. I had an instant reaction when something happened in this game, and I wrote it down to get my feelings out about everything. Um, when Jacksonville scored to make it thirty to twenty-eight on the touchdown, Christian Kirk who scored the touchdown was under six minutes left, I think. A um, couple of things that I wrote: one, false start on Juwan Taylor that wasn't called, which led to Joey Bosa. This is like whatever the saying is, the, the dominoes falling. The domino effect. The domino effect, exactly. Um, 
the Jawan Taylor false start, which should have been called, yes. But I don't think it would make a difference. Jacksonville has all the momentum they were, to score anyway. There were also a lot of missed calls on like, were terrible pa- pass on interference sides. and stuff. So like I don't want to I don't want to say this is the only call they missed. They missed it on both sides. Yes, but still, did. like you can't be in a monumental game, the stuff that Joey Bosa did. You I'm can't, not done yet. I'm, 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 I'm going to get to it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I jumped. I jumped in. I'm going to get into Joey Bosa. Go ahead. Go ahead. But first, I just want to say Jacksonville is going to score anyway. The exact same thing in the Giants game on the Isaiah Hodgins touchdown. Andrew Thomas had a false start and it wasn't called. This is Darius Smith. Got frustrated. Gave up on the play. Giants scored a touchdown. Giants were going to score a touchdown on that drive regardless. Same with Jacksonville. Now for the Joey Bosa part. Because of him getting frustrated about the non-false start call, um... Unsportsmanlike conduct penalty was given to him for slamming his helmet. My only comment about unsportsmanlike conduct penalties, I don't think that that needs to be a penalty because Joey Bosa is not being unsportsmanlike to anyone in the in the entire game. He's frustrated. He's voicing his frustration, but he's not affecting anyone. He's not slowing the game. He's not kicking the ball down the field. He's not throwing his helmet on the field. He's not hindering anything about the game. Yeah, he's not being nice and saying, darn, man, I should have tried harder, but he's just showing his emotions. He's not doing anything to actually affect anything. Yeah, you got to know the situation. You got to know if you take your helmet off while you're on the field, you're going to get an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Now, moving on as well. I'll let you chime back in with the Bosa at the end, but I just want to get you're all good, of my good. all of my instant reactions. I would say you, you 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 do you you say <laughs> you say everything and then I'll give my feedback. I got one more point. Um the Chargers, this is where it goes back to Staley and not so much the firing of their offensive coordinator. Um, you put five players on the line of scrimmage, five defensive players when it was uh, the two-point conversion from the one-yard line. In a year where QB sneaks are not only more popular, but more successful than ever before in the entire NFL's history. And you put five guys on the line to match up, one of them being an outside linebacker who is two, three yards off of the right tackle. Not a threat at all in the middle. And you put two guys in the middle of the field, one of them being safety Derwin James, and you play man coverage. So you have those two in the middle, five yards off the line of the scrimmage for borderline nothing when you're playing man anyway. You know that the QB sneak is coming. Not to mention it's a 6'6 quarterback who has a wingspan of probably around like And how much six, does he weigh? Six, 225, eight. 230? Yeah. You know. You know what's coming. And that's how you prepare for it. So that's Staley. That's entirely I, Staley. I do want to say one thing. That play call wasn't even supposed to be a QB sneak. Lawrence just knew he had to reach the ball over the yeah, line and, and jump up over it. Because he's intelligent and he understands <laughs> that, that is how the, it works. That is the one thing I wanted to say. Because there's also a picture of him reaching over the line from like the opposite angle. And it's just awesome seeing, yeah. him, seeing him reach that ball. But um, the thing with Bosa is that I think it was – I don't think it was just that, though. He was complaining a lot beforehand, but like leading up, leading up to that play. Yeah. Don't say anything to the referees. Period. That's yeah. separate. That's that. That, that like, was that hinders something. That affects something. Oh yeah. Involving other people. Definitely. I. It's not even like just Bosa here, but across the NFL, because we see time and time again. Well, we and, see taunting calls now, which is kind of ridiculous. Well, like taunting, at least in theory, you're affecting someone else. You're being mean. I just have depending an issue. on what it is. Yeah. I just have an issue with Bosa getting flagged for something that doesn't involve the referees. It doesn't involve any team. He did not throw his helmet at a player. He did not throw a helmet at, his, at the referee. The first one, 100%. Don't talk to the referees. Don't be overly complaining throughout the game. But I just feel, I'm not a player. I know emotions are high, even though I'm not a player. Let people, like, 
it doesn't affect. I don't know. I just feel like I just I'm I'm not I'm not saying that I, I wouldn't say I necessarily agree or disagree. Um, I don't know. I, it's obviously it's kind of up to the refs like yeah discretion on on totally how is. on how far they're they're gonna go with these penalties. So like. In one game that can be called, in another game it can't, which is kind of where the, well, where that's that's where the error lies is that you don't know exactly when you're going to get called for it. Well, I'm because there are sure, certain games where you don't. I'm pretty sure there is a rule anyway that you can't take your helmet off on the field. Because yeah, of, well, that was the which normally happens after touchdowns. A player will be so yeah. excited that they take their helmet off, which is dumb anyway. That shouldn't exist, and that's where the Bosa flag. Well, came that from, was just who was who there. was the receiver that did that this year in the Carolina game? Wasn't it uh, DJ Moore? Yeah, and then they and missed, then the, they, and then they missed the extra point, and they right. lost. And they yeah. went into overtime, and they lost. Yeah, PJ Walker, Hail Mary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one of the best throws of the year. XFL but... product as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh go. yeah. There you go. There's our XFL product. <laughs> anyway, um, moving on. The Jaguars will be playing uh, the Chiefs this weekend, this Saturday. Saturday afternoon. I have faith. I said I've been, I've been sure. trying, I've been praying. Trevor Lawrence still undefeated on Saturday. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, I said I'll be pulling for them. So far. I, oh, so far I'm perfect as well on yeah, playoff picks. Got them all right. Um, so I didn't. So I won't. I won't be mad either way. Like I said, if the Jags win, of course I'll be happy. But if they lose, I'll still have it right on my bracket. So perfection. It's okay. It's okay. Chasing. Going perfection. for perfection. I'm going for perfection. Uh, the the Dolphins and the Bills came down to the wire at the end there. Um, I have. Should the Bills be worried about the Bengals this weekend? No, I don't think the Bills as a team should be worried, but. Three people should be, and that is Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, and Ken Dorsey. Because Josh Allen was way too out of control in that game. Two interceptions, um, strip sack, giving up the ball, Miami returning it for a touchdown. Almost almost lost a second strip sack as, as well, well at the end. There is no reason for a Skylar Thompson-led Dolphins team who completed like 18 of like 50 passes or something. Terrible completion He was percentage. awful. Well under 50. There is no reason... For them to be in that game. And the only reason they were was because of Josh Allen. And whatever they've been saying to him, Ken Dorsey and Sean McDermott, you need to get on him this week because Cincinnati is really going to capitalize on that. They are not the Skylar Thompson-led Miami Dolphins. No, and this Cincinnati defense, I feel like, kind of goes underrated, under the radar. A lot of people don't talk about them. Um, and obviously last season, they're a bit shaky. Their secondary was a bit iffy um, with Eli Apple and everyone, but... They're a different, different defense this year, mm-hmm. and their linebackers and and outside linebackers and linemen, they're a good pass rush team. And when Josh Allen gets under pressure, I feel like that's where you see a lot of his errors. He tries to force a lot. Um, he doesn't see a lot from the backside. Gets a lot of strip sacks on him, like like what happened this weekend. And if you think Miami's line is going to get through, well, you better be ready for Cincinnati's. And um, obviously we know how great their receivers are with Gabe Davis and Stefan Diggs and everyone there and even Cole Beasley stepping up this week. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's going to be, it, they, they, I don't know how ready they're going to be for this team with Josh Allen under pressure. Um, he's going to have to use his legs obviously, but there could be some error there with fumbling as well. You know, think- trying to do a lot with him is where the error comes. He just has to be in control, and he has to remain calm, and he has to remain disciplined. And same with the coaching staff. That comes from the coaches. Um, we've seen the Bills. They're a little inconsistent at times. Josh Allen has been streaky this entire season. When he's hot, he's hot. When he's cold, he's terrible and hard to watch. Um, I don't know which one we're going to get. I just think the Bills as a team don't need to worry as much. Just Josh, Sean, and Ken. They need to be the ones that are under the microscope, making sure that things go smoothly. I still think they'll win. 
I Buts. I I think it's toss up. I don't know. Toss-up. I think this is this that's the 50-50 game of the weekend. Yeah. Definitely. For sure. Uh, your G-Men pulling off a little Minneapolis miracle themselves, although it wasn't so much a miracle. They kind of had the game in their hands the entire time. Yeah, they were also <laughs> uh, underdogs by three points, yeah. meaning it was basically an even spread because Minnesota was the home team. Um, Giants were the better team than the Vikings in Week 16 when they played on Christmas Eve. They just weren't healthy. They didn't have a Dory Jackson. They didn't have Xavier McKinney. They lost Aziz Ojolari for the second half of that game, which they also did on Sunday, and yet they still got the win. Um, this team has no business being where they are. That is what makes them dangerous, in my opinion. Same with Jacksonville, because if you look around at the rest of the NFL, it's all just of these, those two. It's the other the other six teams, <laughs> and they were and they were basically a fifty fifty team when they played this season. Exactly. Like, Christian Kirk was, I was saying, three inches from the or three feet from the uh, from, right from, from the, the from zone. the touchdown yeah. at, at the end of the game there. Exactly. Um, but I just think those two teams, you are playing against teams that came into this season thinking we're winning the Super Bowl. And obviously, I think if you're an NFL player and coach, that's your goal every year. But the Giants and Jaguars, both of them having top five picks, their goal this season was not to be playing in the divisional round. Giants had two two top five picks. Or top top seven. seven, Top seven, I should say. Sorry, yeah. Regardless, though, that was not their goal. And now it is. And that's what I think makes them a little bit more dangerous. Um, I quickly want to say, use the term miracle as a joke. And kind of dunk on Minnesota, who you don't like. I hate them. Clearly. But I want to say Stephen A. Smith, who's a nerd and I don't like. And I used to like him when I was like 11. Now I can't stand him. I'm not going to get into the Rihanna stuff because I don't care about <laughs> it. It's irrelevant. But discussing today, he was talking about the Giants and the Eagles in the matchup. And he said the Eagles are going to win. Sure, not a problem. And he also said, quote, stop with the magical run stuff. Re- referring to the Giants. One... Nothing's magic about it. That's they're just a good team. They're better than the they, Vikings. They've won. They've won their games. I don't understand. One, yeah, they've won a single game. But two, even if you want to get into the magic stuff, have you not learned anything about how the Giants win their Super Bowls the last two times that they've won a game in the playoffs? None. Nevertheless, go a step further. The last time the Giants won their first game and didn't reach the Super Bowl was 1993. They have been in the playoffs nine times since 1993, not including this year. Been to the Super Bowl three times, losing to Baltimore in 2000, and then obviously the two rings over the Patriots. So I'm just happy to be here. You're in the same boat as me with our teams. Obviously, we're going to be on top of the world if they win. We're going to be distraught if they lose. But I just feel like Stephen A. Smith, mind your business. You don't know enough about football to be talking about. Well, the about. guy the guy just picks against the Cowboys every week and tries anyway. to make himself a meme. Yeah, like that's his goal. <laughs> uh, but no, with the with you talking about our teams, obviously we were we were sitting here. What was it? Four months ago, saying that our I teams would seven win, wins. Yeah, would seven would say. 10. I think I had six. I think I had six wins for yep. for them. Six and eleven. So and I was pleased with that. I was excited I was, for yeah. seven and ten. No, I was I was ready for six wins, and then they go and pull off almost six wins in a row to finish this. Actually, I there think this go. is their sixth win in a row to finish off that season. Um, you know, if they beat this, if they beat this Chiefs team, number one overall seed in in the AFC, and obviously the Eagles, the number one overall seed yeah. in the NFC. You know, they're they're possible wins. There are things that can happen to have both of these teams win, but. We weren't expecting to be here at the start of the no. season, so we're happy where we're at. It's nice. We're gonna enjoy our playoff football, <laughs> um, and that's all I got. I mean, you know, Stephen A. Smith can sit <laughs> down and 
not talk about anything that he doesn't know about. Yeah. Um, because frankly, recently he does not know what he's talking about a lot. I I can't watch first take anymore. I can't. Like I cannot. I've uh I've gone to the herd, you know, Colin Cowherd on uh, Fox Sports One, you know, sometimes on Sirius Sponsored? XM. <laughs> well, because I know I said that a couple weeks ago, but uh, no, I mean, you know, you just gotta stay quiet and you know, comparing Rihanna to Beyonce, saying that she's not as good as Beyonce, I don't care. Who cares? Why? Like, why does that matter? It's irrelevant. She's gonna be at the Super Bowl halftime show, so deal with it. And I really the, don't care. And then racing to his Twitter to apologize about it as well. Yeah, I'm, oh, imme- no, I'm, I'm immediately get, gonna retract I'm gonna that. I'm immediately gonna retract I'm gonna that. Be quiet, Steve. Saying Rihanna isn't Beyonce. It's not your job. Who cares? Um, you have to shut up and dribble. You can have a personality, <laughs> but stop. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go to the Bengals and the Ravens this past week. A Tyler Huntley led Ravens almost taking down the Bengals, and this is proof that it's hard to beat a team three times yeah. in one season. Uh, very much proof, especially back to back weeks. Well. Baltimore did beat Cincinnati the first time. They oh yes, off with yes, Lamar. yes. But the point, my, the point still, the but point still, still yeah, stands. Yeah, still playing a team three times, it's going to be a toss-up. Even if it was two both way, two one way, split them. No matter what, it's really hard to beat a team when you face them that third time. Um, I thought this game was unnecessarily close. Despite that, I think Cincinnati's offense was a little underwhelming. Um, I also think how you were talking about. I want to talk about locker rooms and coaching here for a second. I think the way that you were talking about the Jaguars and how the defense was gassing up Trevor Lawrence despite him throwing four interceptions in that first half. And you look at the Ravens after Tyler Huntley fumbles the ball at the one-yard line and Sam Hubbard takes it back 98 yards for the longest defensive touchdown, fumble return touchdown in NFL playoff history as that happens. And J.K. Dobbins says after the game, that ball should be mine. You should put the game in my hands. I'm the best player on the field. I'm exaggerating a little bit of what he said, but more or well, less. Well, it's, it's basically is what he said. To the extent that's what his point was. Just what I feel like looking at the locker rooms of Baltimore versus uh, Jacksonville. So credit to Doug Peterson for keeping that locker well, room together. I mean, you look at the Ravens as well. Lamar didn't even travel to this game with the team. No. And there's obviously a lot of rumors going around, floating around. He's not coming back. Which I believe at this point. I believe as well Actually. because, you know, the team seemed all out of strut. Um, they seem very frustrated with the front office and, and the coaching staff, especially Dobbins here, um, you know, complaining that he didn't get that ball, which you should have faith in your quarterback no matter who it is, especially if it's a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Um, don't go around bad-mouthing your team. That's all I got to say, really. And that's what breaks up the locker room. That's what that's what shows teams that have it and teams that don't. Mm-hmm. And. I don't mean that in the sense that Jacksonville is a team that fully has it because, of course, there's still many holes on their team. They're a young team. But they have a coach that lifts up their players and promotes their players to lift up the other players as well. And we've seen that all year with Jacksonville and and even New York, obviously, with Dable coming in and everyone picking everyone up. Because because now we're seeing all the the players, obviously, which Daniel Jones, you know, deserves his flowers, but – we haven't really seen much of them picking him up in years past. And now he's he's had this breakout year and of course he deserves it. Well, and they're even, and they're showing that. Even this week with like a direct example of the Tyler Huntley, JK Dobbins thing, Darius Slayton drops the ball with three just over three minutes left in the Giants game, has a clear path to a first down, drops a wide open catch, goes to the sideline, head down. Saquon is the first guy there, runs up to him, we're good. It's a team game. We're going to win this game. It's not on you, blah, blah, blah. Even Odell Beckham Jr. said, you good, 86. Keep yeah. your head up. <laughs> um, like, just different. Like, in the football world, 
some of these guys, some of these have been, some of these guys, these players have been taught by their coaches to pick each other up. And I'm not bashing John Harbaugh. The guy's won a Super Bowl. He's a fantastic coach, better than I could ever be, obviously, as a dweeb 20 year old here <laughs> talking sports with you. Um, but just feel like you got to do a little bit better. You got to ingrain into your players' brains um, that JK, like with JK Dobbins, to not bash your teammates. When yeah. And I think the Ravens organization might be heading in the wrong direction, especially giving up a franchise quarterback like Lamar Jackson, uh, the amount of talent he's had. And, um, you know, guy that we've seen excel in the past. Obviously, he's had a a bunch of injuries, and nobody wanted to see him on the field this week. RG3 went out tweeting about how how risky it could have been for his career this week. Um, He wasn't going to force himself out there. The Ravens weren't going to force him out there. And I think we've seen the final time of him suiting up with them, and they're going to have to be looking for someone else to take up that quarterback role pretty soon. I think you're right. Dak Prescott finally putting something together here, and Dallas beating the Bucks a rematch from Week One this year when yeah. when Dallas got pounded. Yeah. And uh, this could be Tom Brady's last game in a Bucks uniform, and I think it is actually. Yeah, I, I thought you were going to use the transition talking about Lamar not playing in Baltimore anymore and say moving on to the next quarterback who might not be on their same. Oh team. well, yeah, basically. And that's Tampa Tommy. It seems like he's on his way out. He's not retiring. Yeah, I don't think he's, he's retiring. Um, I don't know if I said this last week. I think he's going to Vegas. I agree There's a lot you. of, you know, we'll we'll do our our whole quarterback destinations <laughs> once once. Uh, the season the ends, season the ends and and uh, we get to the off season, but you know this it was it was a sad way to see Tom go. Yeah, uh, in Tampa, he didn't. I mean, obviously very underwhelming, but uh, just just a really you know his his, his whole yeah and his whole guy that brought them a Super Bowl just two seasons ago and twenty twenty and obviously um, I had the Cowboys winning this game. I thought it was gonna be a lot closer than it Me was. Too. This Cowboys defense really just got at Tom and didn't let him move, didn't mm-hmm. let him throw the ball. They had no run game, which they haven't all year, really, yeah. uh, since Fournette went down with that injury to start off the year. Um, and they were so one-dimensional. It was all predictable. Everyone knew what was coming next. Uh, they couldn't really put anything together, and it was just very underwhelming. A very underwhelming Monday night game at that Yeah. on the final Monday night game of the year as well. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't know. Uh, Brett Maher as well, missing four extra points. Yeah, four straight. Four PAT attempts. It's impressive. It's sad. And it's kind of funny to me because Lawrence Tynes was a Giants kicker that won Super Bowl forty-two and forty-six with the team. Um, multiple playoff overtime uh, game-winning kicks. He was he's very active in the Giants community, and he said on Twitter. Yes, I'm a kicker. Yes, I've had my struggles. Stop asking me what is wrong with Brett Maher. I have no idea. I've never seen yeah. someone miss four straight extra points. Um, and they Dak signed. was getting frustrated. He wanted to go for two after this after he missed the second one. I don't blame him. Um, um, Dak was balling on the sideline. Dak balled out, Dak balled out uh, that game, best game of his season in my opinion. Um, and he's going to need it against San Francisco. Yeah, um, you know, Dak. Only playing about half, not half the year, a little over half the year, but mm-hmm. still led the league in picks. Yeah. Um. Very concerning, and very concerning going up against this 49ers defense. I said this is going to be a very annoying game of fan bases because yeah. obviously we know how how badly the Cowboys fan base is, mm-hmm. but you don't realize how bad the 49ers fan base is until until they start winning, and then it's like 
never hear the end. I of don't it. know. It's it's the battle of the jean shorts against the baggy jeans, and I sent I I sent I sent that meme to a couple friends this week. Yeah. Um. So we'll see what happens there. We'll do a quick quick divisional round preview. We'll do our little. I mean, we've done our little picks, but now but now now that everything now that everything's in, we'll reiterate. What do we what do we got this weekend? We got we'll start we'll start from the beginning. So we got Jacksonville, Kansas City. Sticking with Kansas City. Kansas City, you're sticking. (laughs) I'll stick I'll stick as well. Um, with Kansas City, you know, I got I got to stay consistent, but um. Loving Jacksonville right now, obviously, of course. Be fun, but um, fun if Jacksonville won. I'd hope. I, I hope it's a close game at least. Yeah. They can't go down twenty-seven nothing and then make another comeback, <laughs> especially not an Arrowhead. So, uh, we'll see what happens there. So then Saturday night we've got the Eagles and the Giants. I'm gonna. I, I pick the Eagles. You gotta Eagles. say it. You gotta I say the it. Eagles. I'll keep picking the Eagles, but I would not be surprised if the Giants won. And I have bias, but again. They're playing them a third time. I was going to say that the the three times in one season rule applies here. I think the Eagles were, are going to win, um, but I think it's going to be it's going to prove to be a tough game. Uh, the Giants right now on a very hot streak. They they face the Eagles. They almost beat them with their third stringers in mm-hmm. Week 18. A very underwhelming game from both sides. Yeah. But maybe maybe Kenny G can get another touchdown this Saturday <laughs> Darius night. Darius lays head. Uh, we'll see what happens. So then Sunday afternoon we've got the Bengals and the Bills. And I'm taking Buffalo still. I'm riding with them. As I said, both were a little sloppy in their games. Um, I think they'll both get it together on offense. I think Josh Allen plays well. I think he plays under control. I think Buffalo wins in a high-scoring affair. I think I – did I take the Bills or did I take Cincinnati last week? I'm trying to remember. I think I took the Bills. And then you had them losing to Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. I am going to stick with the Bills uh, – you know, that Buffalo mentality, that Buffalo home game is huge for them as well. I think we see a neutral site uh, AFC championship game, which is going to be fun. Cool. Uh, which is, it was decided it, it'll probably be in Atlanta, yeah. um, which will be awesome. But uh, I don't know. I think uh, I think Josh Allen, even even if he struggles, I think this defense will pick them up. Um, Joe Burrow is that guy, though, so we'll see what happens. Um, T. Higgins obviously is him as well. I think that I don't think he gets enough love on the receiving core. I think Jamar Chase kind of overshadows him, but T. Higgins, top ten hands in the league, just is not as good as after the catch. I will stand by that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I I love this matchup. I can't wait for Sunday afternoon to watch it. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. But I am going Buffalo. And obviously to finish off, we've got the 49ers against the Cowboys. I think we're both going the 49ers here. Yeah, I don't have that much to say. Not much um, to say. We we both picked them to make the Super Bowl as well. So I guess they miss their consistency here. But you know, just just need to reiterate for the fans every week who who we're picking, so we get we get the update in case they missed the last let episode. Know. Let them yeah, know. we gotta let them know. Well, in, speaking of letting them know, let them know where they can find us while they're waiting for the next episode. You can find us at Slinging Sports on Instagram at Slinging underscore Sports on Twitter. That is the number one way to know. When an episode drops, some sick graphics give you some news about what's going on in the episodes. With that being said, I want to thank everyone for listening this week. We are at episode twenty of season two. We might, you know, we'll see what happens. We're getting we're getting close to our one year anniversary actually. Very as well. close. That's been a month. Very close. Now, it's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's actually huge. Like, it's <laughs> monumental. Look at us. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. We will catch you guys in the next episode. Peace. <laughs>